Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us yet again. And uh, I'm here with my new friend, Alex Gray. Alex, thank you so much for making time for the Boca community. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited for this today. Well, me too. And and uh, largely because, first of all, I just am a huge fan of your work. In fact, I think the thing that stood out to me right away and the reason why I reached out to you in the first place to have a conversation here at the Boca Podcast was just because your your work struck me. It's very stunning. And I, in fact, I actually have your Instagram feed pulled up here and I'm just scrolling through and it's just, it's warm and touching and emotional. And um, I mean, the composition is, is lovely. I could go on and on, but kudos to you for really beautiful photography. Well, thank you so much because honestly, those are, those are definitely the words that I try to implement into the work. So it means a lot that that comes through. So thank you. Oh, of course. Well, and, and for those of you listening in, uh, I want to make sure that I send you over to Alex's Instagram account. You've got to check it out. Make sure you follow her. And very simply, the account is A-L-E-X, Alex, um, Mari, M-A-R-I, and then an underscore uh, at the end of that. So, and of course, we'll link to this in the show notes as well. That you can go to that, but um, make sure you go check out Alex's work. So we normally, Alex, we start off the podcast these days with something that we call the technique for time or tool for time. And uh, because so much of our focus at Photographer's Edit, and then of course the Boca podcast has to do with creating efficiency in our lives as photography business owners, um, I'm curious to get your technique or tool for time. What's something that you do in your life and business to create space for yourself and uh, for your husband as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that this can be particularly challenging for me in my business because I'm also a full-time student. So with that said, I think beyond just having like a really good workflow in place, you know, obviously that does affect um, and look different from week to week. But beyond that, um, I found that scheduling out time for myself to do things apart from work really is the best way to create time to, you know, spend time with my husband, cook food. We try to eat healthy. So anytime I have for that is awesome. But then just also allowing myself time to breathe and recuperate just between all the hustle. But with that said, I'm very much looking forward to finishing school so that I'll actually be able to have a much healthier work-life balance. Man, that, yeah, and that's going to be tough too. I mean, are you in school full-time at this point? Yeah, I am. So I, I go to school all week, every day, and then I work in between that on my business. And then I shoot weddings and engagements and stuff on the weekends. Wow. That, yeah, that has got to be quite overwhelming. So what, what percentage of, well, actually, let me ask it this way, because I'm really curious. Something I've spoken to on the podcast before is that it, it seems as though wedding photographers in particular, uh, just because they only have to shoot generally on the weekends, maybe the occasional engagement session, uh, it seems like they at least act busier than they actually should be. I think your your life is yeah. proof of the fact that you can fit actually you can actually fit a lot more into 
a week than what probably a lot of photographers give the week credit for. But what does that breakdown look like? I mean, how do you manage your business as you're simultaneously going to school and you're studying? I mean, are you working some in the evenings as well in your business? I think you alluded to that a second ago. What is what does that kind of look like on a day to day basis? Yeah, you know, right now life is just a little crazy. Um, so basically, like I mentioned before, like I'll go to school during the day, go to my classes, and then I'll usually have a lot of downtime in between classes because they're not like consecutive. So I'll go ahead and try to get work in there. Maybe it's editing, maybe it's following up on emails. Um, It looks a little bit different day to day. Um, Just get done whatever is the most important at the time. And then a lot of times when I go home, it's actually more based on homework. So I get a lot more of my business work done during the day and then I have homework at night. And then weekends is usually completely devoted to my business and shooting. Wow. Well, one of the things that I love that you pointed out, I mean, it may seem like a simple idea, but it's the fact that you're taking advantage of that time, even in between classes to get things done. Of course, we are, we live in this this age, and, and this is an obvious statement, but we live in this age where technology enables us, enables us to have that kind of flexibility to get things done on the go. Um, and I mean, I, I love the fact totally. that I can do much, probably most even of my work from my phone if I need to. That gives me the kind of freedom and the flexibility to to be out and about, uh, to travel and still be productive uh, if need be. And uh, But I, I like that you're taking advantage of, of those even smaller slots of time to get things done. And, and it says a lot uh, to what, what is possible, right? Um, and again, I would encourage photographers listening in. It's easy to say that you're busy. Uh, just because maybe you're, you're constantly reacting or responding to things that are coming into your inbox or to social media or otherwise. But I would ask you, I would ask you to consider, kind of look at your week overall and maybe even spend some time breaking down how you spend your, each of your days. I mean, literally from the time that you get up to the time you go to bed and really take a look at how busy, first of all, you actually are uh, and how well you're actually spending that time. Is it, is it time that is actually productive for the sake of your business? Is it moving your business forward? How much of it could you get rid of and free up either for the sake of your family, your friends, or even doing things that would actually move your business forward? Just sitting at your computer doesn't actually mean that you're getting things done that, that matter to your business. So uh, I, I think this conversation is a good reminder of that. We can all use our time more effectively. And uh, kudos to you, Alex, for making it happen even while you're going to school. It's pretty impressive. How, when you do have a little bit of free time here and there, how do you like to spend it? My husband, Jonathan, and I, we just love being outdoors. Um, We actually met in a hiking group our freshman year of college. So anything like hiking or kayaking, um, we actually went spelunking last year, which was a blast. Oh, it's amazing. Also like a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, Yeah, it was very cool. (laughs) So I I will add, and and probably most people would assume this, but if you have any kind of claustrophobia, spelunking is not your thing. So I rem- true. I had the opportunity to go back. I think it was in in college. There was there was a cave system in Georgia. So I live in the Chattanooga area in Tennessee, and kind of just over the state line, there was this cave or cave yeah. system that I had the opportunity to go spelunking in. One of the most invigorating, most incredible experiences that I've ever had in the outdoors. Uh, but yeah, at one point you're you're kind of sliding along in this cave in a space that's probably no more than about a foot high, maybe a foot and a half, that that rock is right there above you. And of course, you can't help but think about like, what happens if that that rock just starts to crumble? I'm I'm done and, and nobody's so going to know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. 
Yep, I've had all those feelings. But yeah, like really, it's it, like you said, it's such an invigorating experience. Like we I, we went with a group of friends and it just felt like you were on one of those like discovery nature shows or something. It was just a very adventurous feeling activity. So yeah, there's, there's, it's almost a whole different world that you don't realize exists until you have the opportunity to to drop down in there and do a little bit of exploring. Yeah. It's so peaceful. It's so quiet. And of course, it's cool, pretty stable temperature. Absolutely fascinating experience. I'd, I'd highly recommend it to anybody out there. You mentioned your husband too. And I, I said this to you before we started recording, but you guys are adorable together. How did you said you met in a hiking group? Yeah, we did. And thank you. Um, yeah, we met in a hiking group. Well, it was sort of a hiking group. I started it on Facebook when I came to college and a bunch of us joined it and we were all going to go on a hike. We ended up going on one hike. And then after that, the group fell apart and we became friends. So <laughs> it was entirely useless, but you know. <laughs> Definitely not a loss. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, and how long have you guys been together? Um, we've been together coming, well, coming up on two and a half years. So Wow, that's awesome. Good for you. Well, it, things are fresh and exciting, and and um, and I can see that between the two of you. But I, I like to actually see that kind of passion between couples. You know, it's it's even as wedding photographer, and I mean, I shot for over a decade and hundreds of weddings, I guess, at this point. And there's there was something that was kind of unfortunate, kind of sad. This to when you watched a couple that just obviously didn't have they just weren't excited about each other, and right. and I can see that between the two of you. So that's. Uh, Congratulations for Thank that, uh, and and don't don't give that up. That kind of passion and excitement for each other is is a great example for all of us, even if it is kind of brand new. I, th- I think it's lovely. What's what's something that most people don't know about you? Well, maybe one thing a lot of people might not know about me is that I'm actually from Southern California. So I grew up in a city sort of near San Diego. And uh, so I'm a really big fan of the beach and sunshine, not super big on these East Coast winters. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you say East Coast winters because you're based currently in Virginia, correct? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty big transition. How did you actually end up going, moving from California to Virginia? Yeah. So it was uh, entirely for school. The college that I went to is out here in Virginia. So I was really interested in going to another state for school just to experience a different culture. And so, yeah, I just came over for school and then I got married. So now I'm here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and and what are you actually, I'm curious, what, what degree you're currently working on? I'm working on a degree in uh, digital marketing and social networking. So basically like social media marketing. Which is, uh, of course, a beautiful segue into the conversation that we're going to have here in a little bit about... Uh, really kind of redefining the purpose of social media. It, it's a really loaded topic. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But um, I, I love the direction that you're going with this conversation. And and so I know this conversation is going to be a, a good one for our listeners. How long have you been in business as a photographer? And tell us a little bit about how you got started. So I feel like this is probably a pretty typical story, but I actually started photography as a hobby in my freshman year of high school. So I just grabbed my mom's point and shoot camera and started playing around in the backyard And I randomly fell in love. So um, after practicing for a little while and I just started offering little family sessions in my community and people just responded really well to it. Um, I'd say maybe my junior year of high school, I had a pretty good little business started. And so when I moved to Virginia for college, um, I just kind of took a break and I wasn't really thinking that photography was ever going to be like my main focus. And then halfway through my first year, I started it up again to make money to pay for school. And then I realized this whole new vision for my photography business that I hadn't before. 
So I really just wanted to create like very real and emotional imagery that could take people back to a moment and actually make them feel like a deeper connection to their photos. Mm. So I'd say that's probably really when I rebranded my business and then started it up full time. And then Jonathan actually started second shooting weddings with me. So we really just focused in on couples and just that romantic relationship. Yeah. Well, and you speak to that on your website too, the fact that um, you can relate to these couples, you feel it for each other. And so it's, it's natural that you're working with these couples and photographing their story and their relationship, right, exactly. which is, yeah, I feel very emotionally invested when I work with couples. So for sure. And, you know, that makes a difference, too. I mean, if, if we're just kind of robotically doing our work, uh, that's going to it's going to be reflected in probably the quality of our work and certainly the amount of enjoyment that we experience from it. Uh, there is something to be said for finding your passion and, and following that. And it sounds really cliche, but we're lucky enough to live in an environment in a culture <laughs> where it's possible, too. And, um, and it's very obvious that you're doing just that. So I, I think that's really wonderful. Talk to us a little bit about, um, and this is a very common conversation here on the podcast, but your, your business's brand position, and more specifically, what sets you apart from photographers in your market? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess kind of piggybacking off of what I mentioned earlier, um, I'd say my brand position really is coming from this idea that your photograph should just go beyond being really pretty and perfect and beyond just something that you want to share with your friends on social media for the heck of it. I really want my photos to capture a moment in time for my clients and bring back those deeper emotions that they feel for each other. So it really rides on this idea of nostalgia, you know, like when you go to a place that you used to love or smell like a scent that brings you back to a memory and it just fills you with this special feeling. Yeah. Um, I just really try to work hard to bring that to my clients through their photos. So even if that's just an engagement session, sometimes it's a little harder with those, you know, because couples often are a little bit stressed out beforehand with getting ready, putting together outfits and traveling and everything. And so you've got this element also of a stranger snapping photos of you. And I try to do things in the session that are going to make it more memorable and comfortable. And so like I'll start it out really fun and casual with like a lot of running around and hiking since I focus on adventurous photography. And then as we go along in the shoot, I'll have them do things like maybe I'll have them write a love letter to each other before we meet and then read it together on the session. Oh, and wow. it'll, I'll just kind of stay back and photograph. And I feel like that creates a moment for them that's going to be more memorable when they look oh, back. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's when you have those emotional experiences together as a couple, that's something that tends to kind of trigger your memory, right? Um, the, it, when, yeah. when, you, when you look at all of the kind of daily activities, the, the noise that we experience on a daily basis as individuals and then maybe as couples as well, if, if we don't have an emo- if there's not an emotional experience associated with that, then it's likely going to be tougher to remember that experience. So I'd love that you're very proactively creating that for them. I think it's beautiful. I also like the fact that you're able to kind of sum up what your position, your brand position is about with one word, which is nostalgia. And I don't, I've not heard Mm -hmm. a lot of photographers, maybe any photographers talk about that, at least here on the podcast. I I really like the the, the simple idea that um, represents so much. But when you're talking about nostalgia and then specifically smells, it reminds me of, well, first of all, just the significance of smells. It's a funny thing to say, but it really does bring back strong memories. I grew up in Japan and naturally when you go to a different country, there are certain smells that that are kind of different than other countries. And so we would come back from, and I spent about 10 years there, we'd come back from Japan to the States and 
there were two smells that were distinctly American in my mind. One was popcorn because popcorn wasn't a, a kind of commonplace smell there in Japan. <laughs> Another was cherry Coke because something like cherry Coke to the Japanese culture tasted more like, like cough medicine. And, and so there were these two very mm. distinct smells that I remember specifically from going, like I would smell in a department store, you know, where they also sell snacks on the side that you can, that you can eat while you're shopping. And um, this was a particular smell that represented existence in the U.S. And, and it's a very, very funny thing. And of course, I can speak to other smells too, but those, those trigger, again, a certain emotion, which bring back really, really strong memories. And I think it's a beautiful thing that you're very proactively creating those emotional experiences for your clients. It's not just about being photographed, but they can, they can think back to that experience that you're creating for them. Uh, and not only does that create a wonderful bond for them, but it also leaves a lasting impression about your brand. And I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just my biggest thing. You know, I want them to, when they look at those photos, like I just want them to feel something, you know, I don't want them to just look at the photos and think they look nice because it's just not going to mean anything to them in the long run. But yeah. if they have an emotional connection to it, then it's going to mean a lot more. So how do you communicate to a potential client that this is the experience that you're going to offer them? Because a lot of potential clients might just look at these pictures and while they think they, they do look pretty and all those couples look really cute together, they may not fully understand the experience that you're going to provide. How do you communicate that to a potential client? Yeah, totally. I'd say I do really work hard to communicate it right off the bat through my website and just the copy. But beyond that, I, I will usually have like a phone call or a meeting with a potential client and then I'll just let them know my heart and vision like I just shared with you. And uh, I think it resonates with a lot of people because we all just want what's real in life, right? No one really loves what's fake. So if they know that that my heart and that's what my heart is and it means something to them knowing that I have that goal in mind when I take their photos and I feel like that communicates it you know, pretty soon to them as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly made an impact on me as you're communicating with me. And so I, I can imagine that it would with them too. And then again, to have that experience being photographed by you where you're, you're creating these moments for them uh, has to be so extremely impactful. I, I love that you're doing that for your clients. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit though. And and I'd love to hear, I know that you're, you've got a relatively new career, although you did started, you started photographing, you said as a, um, a junior in high school, or that's when things began to pick up. Were you shooting portraits then as well? Was it a similar style of photography? Yeah, I actually was on a pretty different track then. So I was doing like pretty much everything, okay. like, you know, families and portraits and everything. And then when I came over here is really when I switched to couples. Okay. Well, during that, during that time frame, that span of time, what would you say would be the toughest lesson that you've learned as a business owner or as a photographer? I would have to say probably overbooking or pushing myself too hard. Um, my first year over here in Virginia, especially I was running the business and just doing full time with school and work. And I booked weddings all over the East coast. So Maryland, Pennsylvania, um, we even randomly shot in Ohio, obviously not the East coast, but you get the picture Yeah, and we driving for all of them. So I'd have classes all week and then we'd be driving up to eight hours on the weekend to shoot a wedding, (laughs) fitting editing all in between that. So I would definitely say I learned the hard way that I needed to limit what travel I took on when school was happening. And then also, obviously, outsourcing editing was very helpful at that time. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said. Uh, There's, in fact, there's a lot to be said. And I've been reminded of this even as of late for the importance of hustle, right? I mean, as much as it may seem like just a hashtag that you see on, on social media or some cliche quote that somebody's going to throw out there, there is a, there's a significance to putting the work in 
And as we were talking about earlier, really truly taking advantage of your time to be the most productive possible, but then also ultimately, of course, to, to give yourself space later. Um, there's, there's a lot of importance to that, but there has to be at least a little bit of balance because uh, as human beings, mentally, physically, we do need a little bit of a break. And so finding the balance, I mean, that, that, that so-called balance is going to look different for everybody, but it's, it's good to be reminded totally. to, to take a break here and there for the sake of our, again, for mental health, for physical health, for clarity, for creativity, and of course, maybe most importantly, for the, the, the space that we need for those relationships in our lives. I mean, all of those things really are, I guess, equally as important, but that's, that's a really, Absolutely. really good reminder. Talk to us a little bit about some of your favorite camera gear. I mean, if you were to, like, if you were to go to your camera bag at a shoot, what's the first thing that you're going to pull out and use uh, right away? Hmm, okay, that's fun. So right now I shoot with a Canon 5D Mark III, and then I have a Canon 50 1.4 lens and a Sigma 35 1.4. But I would say out of the two of those, my 35 is kind of like my baby. Um, I literally shoot probably 99.9% of my photos with that lens. because I just find that it's very versatile. Now, did you say that you had a, a Canon and Sigma both were 50 millimeters or one was 50 and one was 35? So the Canon's 50 and then the Sigma is 35. 35. Okay. And this is maybe, maybe just my ignorance, but does Canon have a 35 millimeter as well? Or is that, is that unique to Sigma? No, it does. And it's actually probably a lot nicer. Um, but when I bought it, I was like on a little bit of a budget crunch, um, oh, yeah. but I know a lot of people use the Sigma and love it. And a lot of people use Canon and love it. So I'm actually been considering switching, but I know the focal length at the very least, like I just love it. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with using these these other companies uh, or other brands and, and their equipment. Um, I know that as a, as a wedding photographer, one of my favorite lenses that I ever shot with was a, uh, I believe it was a Sigma 17 to 55 2.8 uh, fixed, fixed aperture lens that at the time I don't think was available through Nikon. Nikon wasn't offering it. Or maybe if it was, um, it was so much more expensive, like you were like you were talking about. But I, I think there's wonderful opportunity out there to take advantage of a little bit better deals with some of the other companies, um, and and they work just as well, if if not maybe in some cases even better. So that's that's really great. I love the simplicity of, of fixed focal lengths. That there's something so nice about being able to just quickly grab that lens and move around with it so easily. And of course, you don't need to zoom when you can move back and forth yourself. Um, I, I just love the simple approach to photography that comes from using those fixed focal lengths. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually put me into a bit of a good habit too, because it forces me to move around. So I end up seeing things I wouldn't normally if I, ha- I feel like if I had a zoom lens that I was using all the time. So I'm able to see new angles and opportunities when I'm photographing, which is pretty cool. No, that really is great. And it, it kind of pushes you to, to work a little bit extra for it, which I think is good. We always need that extra little push <laughs> to be a bit yeah. a bit more creative. So I think that's great. Well, you mentioned that you're actually studying digital marketing at the moment, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on a topic that we've we've discussed a bit on the podcast in the past. But it, you know, it's such a loaded topic, such a big topic that spending an hour, or even just a few minutes within that hour, talking about it, uh, we can only get so far. So we're gonna go there again today. But we're gonna actually kind of take this topic of social media from a little bit of a different angle. And uh, I, I mentioned to you that I actually want to read the quote from the email that you sent me when you and I were discussing what we could uh, have a conversation about here at the Boca Podcast. I, I love the way that you described this kind of your mission and your approach to communicating or teaching about social media. And it goes like this. You said, one thing that I've, not- I've noticed is that as artists, many photographers have a tendency to become discouraged 
and take social media success very personally. I love educating professionals to think about social media differently. A recent trend in the industry is that photographers will throw up their hands and say, forget it. Followers, likes, etc. They don't matter in the grand scheme. They don't define me or my talent. And while it can be true that this kind of success doesn't necessarily define how talented you are, social media has become an integral part of every single business, company and corporation, and it cannot be ignored. You won't see companies like Nike throwing in the towel simply because they are, quote, over it. I would love to share ways that photographers can redefine the way they see and utilize social media while offering tools that help professionals to mentally separate performance on social media from their success as human beings. So we're going to kind of go deep with this. And by the way, I have to to give you props too for for your ability with copy. I mean, you, you mentioned copy briefly earlier with regards to your website, but do you have some kind of background in copywriting? Because your ability to communicate is, is just <laughs> exemplified as, is really, really strong. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate that. But no, I don't. <laughs> Probably just written too many college papers, honestly. <laughs> well, there's there's something to be said for learning how to communicate effectively via copy. And this is something that I've, I've talked about with guests on the podcast as of late. Um, you know, the, the reality, which is it's so easy to fall into a rut as photographers, especially when posting to social media and just kind of repeat the same lines over and over again. I, there's really totally. so many, only so many times that I want to read that some photographer is, quote, excited about some couple. Um, <laughs> we've we've got to make a little bit more of an effort to communicate, not just eloquently, but creatively and communicate the emotion maybe innate to to photographing or working with that couple or that client. But uh, anyway, props to you for that. I want to start with the the mental component that you alluded to there in that copy. Why photographers kind of allowed their performance on social media to be tied so deeply to their self-worth? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah. So um, kind of like I said in that email, I've just noticed and probably a lot of other creatives have seen this more and more where photographers are going to post a rant on Facebook or to their story, just saying something along the lines of that they're tired of trying to get featured on bigger accounts or put time into getting likes and comments. Um, And their reasoning behind this is essentially that they feel like this mindset is unhealthy and ultimately social media doesn't actually matter. So they'll just end up with this resolve to only post what they feel like regardless of its social performance. And they'll actually end up kind of in a passive aggressive way, shaming other photographers who do try and get their work shared on feature accounts or blogs. And so I think a huge component of this is that photographers are artists, right? We're emotional. And that's what makes us so good at our jobs and capturing emotion because we're in tune to it. But also on the flip side, we're very emotionally tied to our work. And so when we don't see great results on an Instagram post or when a blog maybe declines a wedding we shot, it can be very difficult to not feel like it's this personal attack. And so it's like almost the automatic reaction is to kind of identify with this idea that it's not us, it's them. And I don't need to care what they think. So I'll just go to the other extreme and just not care anymore. And instead of do what feeds my soul, or instead, I'll just do what feeds my soul, you know, and makes me happy. So you've got these two extremes where there really needs to be a balance, especially because as photographers, we're not just artists, we are business owners. And I'd actually argue too, that the business side of things maybe is even a larger part of what we do oftentimes than just the photography and artistic side. I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, if if we're actually out to run a business, um, I, you know, if, and, and we're out to do so effectively, I would I would even argue that probably a good seventy five to eighty percent of it is actually the business, and the photography is is a smaller percentage. Only because, or not only because, but largely because 
decent photography these days is so easy to come by. You know, I mean, even even our phones can right. can capture decent images. Somebody can throw a, a filter on there, and it looks very very similar to something that you may have seen from a professional photographer. If if we're actually honest about about that conversation, so yeah, I would agree that that much of what we do is about business. If we're out to run a sustainable business that's actually going to, to make a living for us and hopefully more, that yes, much of it is, is about business, but it's so easy to get caught up in that kind of dopamine hit that we get every time we get a notification that somebody liked our Instagram post or our Facebook page or somebody commented or Facebook post or you know somebody commented on, on um, that picture that we posted and told us how great we are as a photographer. I wonder too, though, and maybe this is something you're going to speak on here in a little bit, but I wonder if a lot of that has to do with just kind of being, and, and certainly I've been guilty of it. I have to, to be clear about this, but kind of short-sighted, again, about that, just that dopamine hit, just being being liked literally and figuratively versus kind of having a bigger picture goal when it comes to going to post uh, for your business. Do you think that has something to do with it? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And that really has to go with the emotional tie of it. And I think a lot of, you know, Instagram started out as this very artistic platform that was meant to share work and everything. And now it's, it's really changed a lot over the past few years. And now it really is a business tool. I and mean, if you're not using it for personal use, it's a business tool. And so you really have to separate that mentally for yourself so that you're not you know, feeling like it has anything to do with your artistic success because it's all about strategy on Instagram now. So it is. Uh, but what would you say? I mean, a lot of people do still use Instagram for personal reasons as well. What would you say is the difference between the value of social media to our businesses and then the value of social media to our identity as human beings. And, and I almost kind of cringe when I say that last phrase, because really, we shouldn't be tying social media directly to our identity, but we are posting pictures or moments that are important to us or close to us. How do we kind of differentiate between those two value sets? Yeah. So a major key that I think we need to realize here is that Social media has kind of become this non-negotiable in business management at this point. It's not like it used to be where it was just this fun set of platforms to share work, like I was saying earlier. You know, Social media is one of the primary marketing tools for small businesses and major corporations alike. So as business owners, we don't really get the option anymore saying like, meh, when it comes to our performance on social media. And that's easily just as detrimental as saying, meh, when it comes to you know creating an up-to-date website or investing in third-party marketing efforts. And on the flip side, social media is also this extremely demanding engagement-based set of marketing platforms. And with something that's so integral to our daily lives, especially when you have people trying to decide between this concept of sharing the personal side of their business versus the very marketing-driven side, you run into this issue of becoming deeply invested on a personal level. You're pouring your heart into your work and then it just doesn't perform too well on social media and it's frustrating. It feels like you're not getting recognized for your effort. And so it can easily turn into this very unhealthy situation where you become obsessive about it. But that's where you really need to set some very distinct boundaries for yourself between this social media time and your personal off work time. I'm a very big believer in this. So, Well, and before you continue, if you don't mind, I'm kind of curious. Do you, do you think, I mean, you're talking about business and, and personal for the sake of, of social media. Do you do you think it's best to separate those two things? I mean, is it is it good for photographers from your perspective and from your experience as well to mix that business and personal on one account? Or do you think it's smarter to separate the accounts? You know, I think it's complicated. I just what I found for my business personally and what works is that I, you know, because I am 
focusing on this emotional connection with my couples and everything. I do want them to be able to kind of get to know us. So I will share personal things occasionally on my story, but I do keep that very limited because of this concept we're talking about. I don't want it to mesh in too much. And I also, I don't have a personal account either. So I just kind of mainly focus on the business account and I don't really share a lot of personal stuff except for maybe on Facebook. So I think it depends on what it is you're going for with your business. Honestly, it's yeah. kind of a tricky subject to navigate. Well, but that brings us back to the, to the earlier point, which is that if, if you know, going into the use of social media, we don't have uh, something that we talk about quite a bit these days on the Boca podcast, which is a bigger picture view or kind of an overarching set of goals that not only drive your personal life, but that those course personal goals trickle down to your business life and affect or are hopefully affecting the business model that you're creating. If you don't have that big picture view, then what you're doing on social media is going to be much more just emotionally driven versus strategic. Yes. And so I'm kind of curious how, what are maybe just a few practical ways that photographers can begin to look at their social media accounts more from a kind of practical or pragmatic business standpoint rather than making it so personal? Well, I think the first and most obvious point is that social media obviously has the potential to bring in new clients. So maybe it's not doing that currently for every photographer, but I know for me, it probably, I reach maybe five to six inquiries per month and I only have around 4,800 followers. And the thing is those clients are going to be highly targeted because they're finding your work through your hashtags and they're connecting with you because they really love your work rather than someone who maybe just emails you from a Google search and they're just looking for a photographer. And then just beyond this, if a potential client follows your Instagram and they see you have a large following, frequent engagement on posts, they see you're busy and they learn about your brand through your stories, it's going to A, you know, drive them to book because they're going to realize you're in high demand. Um, and B, it's going to drive them to book because they'll realize the value of you as an artist where they may not have as much if you weren't very active on social. And obviously, social media does not necessarily define that skill, talent, or your demand. But whether we like it or not, that is how a lot of potential clients are going to see it. It is perception, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally perception. It's unfortunate, but it's just a big reality, especially when it comes to social media. Right. So yeah, I guess another thing I think is having social media following, it's going to open up just a lot of new opportunities for you that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. So an example of this is like I recently released my Lightroom presets and I made a separate business account for it where I could share preset related news and photos. And because I had a reasonable following on my personal business account, I was able to shout that out on my story and I grew to like 70 followers on the preset account in a couple hours. So now I have an especially interested audience for my presets and a platform to advertise them. And I have enough followers in that space that it's going to build engagement instead of starting from scratch. So those are just like a couple of examples where social media can benefit your business but honestly there's just limitless possibilities well and, and there yeah there really kind of are but i guess at the end of the day it really comes down to a word that i mentioned earlier which is kind of pragmatism or practicality realizing that at the end of the day whether or not we like and, and i'm glad that you alluded to this whether or not we like the way that social media works in our culture how people see it, what they think about it, you know, this this idea of how we we kind of paint this idealistic picture of ourselves or our business. I mean, there's so many different criticisms about social media, but at the end of the day, it is very much a tangible source of new business for us. And we have to look at it from that standpoint to begin with. If, if this particular social media account or accounts that you're managing are in any way tied to your business or the growth of your business, 
you should be looking at it from a practical, strategic standpoint to begin with. And fortunately, Instagram and, and Facebook, for that matter, have tools uh, built into those accounts that enable you to be able to look at the data. And then, of course, there's so much information out there about how to more effectively use those social media accounts effectively. You should take advantage of that. Come up with a strategy that actually reflects your business model, which should be driven by your personal goals. And you'll be able to approach that use of social media much more pragmatically and certainly much more strategically. That's really, really important. I, I'd be curious to get your take on a few ways that photographers can begin to utilize their social media accounts more effectively and efficiently. Just again, based on your experience, also what you're studying, what you're learning, what would you recommend to them? Um, so I guess I have maybe like three main ways. First, 100% engagement is key. This is so overly cliche, but be sure that you're posting once a day. And in relation to what I mentioned about health, this doesn't actually mean that you have to get on Instagram and write a caption and hashtag it every day. There are planning apps for this that will do the work for you. So just schedule out your daily posts once a week. Just set aside some time for it. And then the only thing that you'll have to worry about is commenting on others' work and then replying to their comments on yours. And for this, I'd recommend setting aside like maybe two hours of your day. So meaning hours you specifically have set aside for work, not free time. And then plan them apart from each other. So maybe one in the morning, one in the afternoon before you, you know, clock out. And then just scroll through and comment on work that you love. And the great thing about this is that you're supporting other artists and also helping yourself grow at the same time. So it's kind of this symbiotic relationship. And, and it's interesting that you say two hours, because I mean, that's a significant amount of time, but it goes to, to show again or reflect on the reality, which is that social media is such a massive part of our existence as business owners now um, that, that you really need to plan a significant amount of time each day, whether it's a couple hours or maybe it's an hour. Again, depending on your business model, you've got to be willing to dedicate that time. And when you say 100% engagement, not just simply a post a day, but as you're pointing out, actually engaging with others on their accounts and being responsive to their comments or to their DMs, it's really important. Yeah, it's absolutely crucial. Um, I've actually been working on a, a little bit of my own personal study since January where I've been just logging results. And I'll talk about that in a bit of a minute too. But when I engage for a week very well and comment on other people's posts and reply to comments, I see a huge spike in followers. And when I don't, it drops. So it's really interesting how much it affects it. Well, that's a good reminder for us. All right, take us to the next one. Yeah. So secondly, I'd say just go ahead and tag your work with feature accounts. So maybe pick out 10 that you would like to be featured on that have a reasonable following and then tag them every time you post. So you're opening up the door for that possibility. And so if you do get shared on there, you'll probably see a good increase in followers coming in that day. Um, this is tried and true for me time and time again. And can you give some examples maybe of, of accounts that you've done this with where you've, you've seen positive results or benefit from it? Yeah. So um, I I don't recommend going for huge ones. Like I'm sure a lot of photographers are, have heard of like dirty boots and messy hair or something like that. They are very picky about what they share. And they don't share a lot. If you go for some of the like medium sized ones, like maybe Rad Storytellers is an account on Instagram. You can just look them up or Ors and Beanies, something like that. You have a pretty good chance of getting shared on there. So. And would you say as well too, that, that it's important to make sure that you're 
that you're tagging accounts that are going to actually bring you followers that are relevant to your business? Because it's, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I've got 10,000 followers, 20,000 followers, or whatever the case may be. But those that, that actual engagement that you get from those 10 or 20,000 followers, or getting more specific, the actual business that you get from those 10 or 20,000 followers is a whole different conversation, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's why I don't even stress too much when I'm losing followers because I know that if they're leaving, it's because they're not resonating with my content and that's okay. Like I want more people following me that are going to be very specifically interested in what I have to say. And if they're not, you know, it's just kind of like, not as people, but as numbers, it's clutter. And so it's better to have a more specifically targeted audience. And two, I'll just throw this out there. Like if you don't get featured on an account for a while, or maybe you're just having a struggle with it, don't get discouraged by it. Maybe just start studying the images that are getting featured the most and just tag those ones that you have more often. And then you'll just learn to adjust with a goal of better performance, but you don't need to stress and hurt yourself psychologically because this is just another small aspect of running your business. Okay, so 100% engagement, making sure that you're really consistent, not only in posting, but also in engagement with those who are relevant to your account, tagging work with feature accounts that, again, are relevant to your brand in order to gain additional followers. Uh, Do you have kind of a last tip for us? Yeah. Um, I guess the final thing I would say is just always measure your results. So like I mentioned earlier, I've been tracking my growth since January And it's helped so much in determining what is working and what is not. So you don't want to just blindly try things and think you'll remember how your posts perform. If I try implementing a new practice, I'll usually give it like maybe a week or so and see how it affects my engagement. So likes, comments, follower number. And that's just a good solid bit of time to measure, but not so much that it's going to put you in this unrecoverable place if your method doesn't work. So my best advice for this is just to keep looking at it Uh, like anything else in life, you know, you're working hard to refine a skill. So if that's something you try doesn't work, just pick yourself back up and dust off the dirt and keep rolling. Yeah. And and it's a good reminder for all of us and myself included. I mean, the, the significance of data as business owners, again, it may sound a little bit nerdy or dorky. And you might say as an artist, that's just not something I'm interested in. But again, if you're going to be running a sustainable business, one that you actually want to grow, we're lucky enough to have the tools that will give us data that will help us make intelligent decisions about our business, whether it's social media or our finances, um, the, the target clients or potential clients, the market that we're going after or otherwise, even social media ads, which is a whole loaded topic in and of itself. Looking at data mm-hmm. is so absolutely vital. And then again, making not just simply looking at the data, but then making intelligent decisions based on that data is really, really important. And, and you can take advantage of those types of tools, both on Instagram and on Facebook. And, and, and that's just two, two social media uh, platforms to begin with, but definitely take advantage of data. I can't stress that enough. I mean, it was certainly one of my weaknesses as an entrepreneur for the longest time. And it's still something that I can continue to do better with, but make sure you're taking a look at the numbers. It's absolutely vital. I think that's great, great advice. Definitely. Yeah. It's just one of those things that's, it's just a crucial part of running your business. You know, you can't avoid it. There's always going to be things that you're not going to enjoy as much, but if you're going to be a business owner, you just kind of got to suck it up and do it. So absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of conversation these days about, about our feelings, what we feel like doing or don't feel like doing. And again, we're, we're lucky enough to live in this first world culture where we even have the space to be able to talk about that type of thing. But 
Um, there, there are just some things that have to be done in order to run a successful business. Looking at the data is one of them. And so, yeah, definitely. If, if for those of you out there who are especially just getting started in, in photography and running a business, but maybe even have been in business for a while, if you're not looking at your numbers regularly, both the finances as well as uh, the analytics going to your site, as well as the data on the social media channels that you're managing, um, you're missing out. You're missing out on an opportunity to grow your business, to run it more effectively. Make sure you're looking at that information weekly or maybe every couple of weeks uh, just to make sure that that you you are running your business in a way that is actually reflective of your long-term goals. That's so important. This, again, is is such a big, big topic. I know that we've yet again only kind of scratched the surface, but I appreciate your perspective, Alex, about how photographers should maybe be looking at their social media a little bit differently and hopefully minimize a little bit of stress and anxiety out there and uh, and then also lend some kind of strategy or pragmatism to the way that photographers are managing, managing their social media accounts for the benefit of their business. Will you share with our listeners where they can find you, uh, both your website as well as social media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find me on my website. It's alexmarifotography.com. Or you can find me on Instagram, which is, like you said earlier, alexmari, A-L-E-X-M-A-R-I underscore. Perfect. I really appreciate you making time for the Book of Podcast listeners and, and sharing your perspective today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Book of Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Book of Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com dot com.